I know I've said it before, church, but let me say it again. I'm excited about our future. I am. I'm really excited about what God has in store for us. Uh, and he does have something in store. He's already got it planned out. And we as a church, all we need to do is listen and obey. Listen, trust, obey. That's our part. But God's going to lead. He's going to provide. We just need to listen and we need to obey. And so um, I just covet your prayers for uh, the search teams, for myself, for, for the, uh, the leadership team um, as we keep listening uh, to discern God's voice to us. Well, someone's got to preach this morning, right? Right? I noticed like no one said right. They were like nervous chuckles, but no one said right. Preach it, brother. Someone's got to preach, and I'm, I'm going to be concise. I'm really going to work hard to be concise this morning because there's not as much time, but I got an important message. Uh, I, I believe God wants us to hear this morning as we continue in uh, our series, our nine-week series called Upside Down Kingdom, where we're looking at the characteristics of the kingdom of God. And particularly, we're looking at these eight statements of Jesus that we find at the very beginning of, of this great teaching we call the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about the kingdom of God and what that looks like. We find that at the beginning of Matthew chapter five, we call these eight statements the Beatitude, they describe the upside down nature of God's kingdom. And so if you've been here the last few weeks, we've already seen that it's the spiritually poor who are the spiritually rich. It's those who are weak and who acknowledge their weakness that are those who are strong. And this morning we're looking at this third statement about the kingdom. We find in Matthew 5, 5 where Jesus says this, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We're going to see this morning about uh, what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. What it means to be great. Who, who are the great men and women in human history? I mean, most of them, well, I was going to say most of them are men. That could be misconstrued. I mean, we, 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 if you look at most of the statues we've built and most of the faces on coins and banknotes, most of them are guys or old guys, dead guys. People that, I guess, have been deemed to be great for one reason or another. So who, who are the great people of history? Probably on most of those lists, there's a guy named Genghis Khan. You ever heard of Genghis Khan? Uh, he was um, the one who built the Mongol Empire. Now, uh, you, you, most of you already know that when I was 15, I spent a month in Mongolia. That's where I discovered that we've been saying it wrong the whole time. His name is actually Chinggis Khan. Why don't you say it? It's fun. Chinggis. It's kind of fun to say. Anyway, so Genghis Khan, and I'm a huge history buff. So there's this podcast I like to listen to by a guy named Dan Carlin. It's called Hardcore History. And it just is a deep dive into some of these fascinating periods of history. And so I'm listening through the series on the Mongol Empire and about Genghis Khan, who, when he was a little boy, was kind of a normal kid living a nomadic life in the steppes of what's now Mongolia. And his name was Temujin at that point. Nothing terribly remarkable about his position as a boy, but he grew up to become Genghis Khan because he, was a, he became a man of exceptional skill leadership abilities, kind of ruthlessness to seize opportunities. And so he united tribes and he built what would become the greatest empire that the world had ever seen to that point. It stretched all the way from, from the Pacific Ocean there in China all the way to Europe, the Mongol Empire about a thousand years ago. 
uh, led by this guy, Genghis Khan. And so uh, years ago when I was in Mongolia, I remember seeing this, this big statue of him that they've erected because, of course, he's their guy. They love Genghis Khan. And, and as you can tell, uh, about 130 meters high or something like that. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Mongolia is modernizing quickly. It was, a, it was a nomadic culture. And so as they wanted to modernize, they felt that they need to uh, have a, a system for names because people didn't have last names. So how are you going to find someone in a phone book? So they, 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 the government made a rule. Everybody by a certain date has to pick a last name for their family. And it had to be a name that had some connection with the, with the history of the family. And, and that was going to be your last name. And so they did this and everyone had to submit their, their, their name at, on a certain date. And what they found was that apparently like 70% of all Mongolians are direct descendants of Genghis Khan. Because 70% of people chose the name Khan to be their last name, which kind of defeated the whole purpose of the exercise to simplify, clarify things. And so I'm I'm not sure what they did after that, but they had to go back to the drawing board. But everyone wanted to be associated with this guy because he's great. And we have people throughout history we call great. So you've got Alexander the Great. What made Alexander so great? Well, I mean, he he established a pretty big empire. We, We have the great one. Wayne Gretzky, that's Canada's contribution to greatness in the world. That's all we got. Scored the most goals of anyone in hockey history. Wayne Gretzky, there's a nice statue of of him there in Edmonton. Uh, What does it mean to be great? Jesus is going to show us this morning what what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. And we're going to see this primarily from Matthew chapter 20. I'm not going to have all the words up on the screen. If you want to follow along, turn to Matthew chapter 20. Jesus begins in this chapter by telling uh, a parable called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. So Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and he sent them into his vineyard to do the work. About nine in the morning he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing and he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and again at three in the afternoon and he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out yet again, and he found still others standing around in the square. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? And they replied, because no one has hired us. He said to them, well, you go also, and you work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, he said, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last one hired and then going on to the first. The workers who were hired uh, at five o'clock in the afternoon came, and they each received a denarius for their work. So you can imagine what the other people thought was coming to them. When when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and yet you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And then I have the response of the, the landowner here. He said, but he answered one of them. He said, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. I 
want to give them the same. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So then Jesus wraps up this uh, parable with the point. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So what we see uh, in this parable, essentially this, and, and, and kind of this, is, this is my big idea for the message, that the way of our world is the way of gaining for oneself, but the way of God's kingdom is the way of giving away to others. The way to greatness in the world is the way of gaining, and the way of greatness in the kingdom of God is the way of giving. And so we find these two different attitudes, these two different ways in this story. So these workers that had been working from from early in the day, uh, they were upset because they felt like they were owed, even though they received everything promised to them, they felt that they were, were, were owed more than what was given to the others because they had worked more They deserved more. It wasn't right. It wasn't fair. And so they measured themselves against what others received and they grumbled because they focused on and they were concerned about what they had to gain. That's what they were all about. What they had to gain. But the the landowner, he had a totally different attitude. He wasn't focused on what he had to gain. If that's what he was focused on, he would have paid the person who started to work at five in the afternoon just the appropriate portion for their time, but he didn't. He wanted to be generous. He went to the square. He saw them. They were standing around. Why are you standing around? Well, no one has hired us. Well, that's not right. Let me hire you. I want to be generous to you. And so the landowner is generous Because he's focused on, he's concerned not with what he has to gain, but with what he has to give. That's the way of the kingdom. Now, the disciples, like us, they were ordinary people. Like, they weren't rocket scientists, they weren't winds. Like, sometimes it took them hearing something a few times to get it. And so, even a few verses later, after Jesus has just said, the last will be first and the first will be last, In verse 20, we find that uh, the mother of, here it is, the mother of James and John, two of the 12 disciples, they were the sons of Zebedee, the mother of James and John came to Jesus and uh, with her sons, so the three of them are there, and they knelt down before Jesus and they asked a favor of Jesus. What is it you want, Jesus said. Uh, uh, she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other one to sit at your left in your kingdom. In other words, we sense, Jesus, that you're going somewhere. We're gonna attach our wagon to you. You're building a kingdom. You're gonna be king. And when that's all settled, can we ask a favor? One of my boys is gonna have that place of privilege and the other one is gonna have that place of privilege. Would you grant that? Uh, what are they asking? They're asking for elevated positions. What do we have to gain? What do we have to gain? Just after Jesus has shared this parable, it's like, ah, guys, 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 guys. A few verses later, he responds to them. Jesus called together all his disciples and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. 
just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Essentially, Jesus is saying, guys, it's upside down. In the world, the way to greatness is to use power, position, privilege, prestige, possessions, everything you can to your advantage, to your own gain. Not only was that the way just of the world with, with you know, the Roman rulers and the government officials, it was the way in the church. You had the Pharisees, the religious class. Jesus would talk about how when they came to a banquet, they, these Pharisees would try to find the, the, the seat of privilege. They wanted to sit at the head table where they could be seen by others to receive honor. Jesus would say, these Pharisees, when they go out and they love to pray on the corner, big, flowing, eloquent prayers to draw attention to themselves and to showcase their, their knowledge and their position. He says, that's the way of the world. The way of the kingdom is upside down from that. It's not the way of being served, but it's the way of serving. It's not the way of getting to the top, but being at the bottom and lifting up others. That is what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. And then he uses himself as an example as the son of man. He says, I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give, there's that word give again, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, you need to follow my example. Paul talks about what that example looked like, I think in just a really poignant way. Uh, this comes from Philippians chapter two, verses seven to eight. So Paul, in talking about Jesus here, saying Jesus who, in being very nature God, that word nature means your essence, not like a costume you put on, like it's actually what you are. Jesus being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Your version might, be, might say, not something that he, he grasped, clung to, but rather he made himself nothing. He emptied himself by taking the very nature, again, Jesus isn't one of those Hollywood actors just putting on a costume to play a role, but this is his nature, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He says, this is our Jesus. This is, think of this, the one who made the world the one who made it and everything in it, enters into the world and Jesus goes through life and just, just think, never receiving any of the honor that was due him, no one bowing down in worship of him. In fact, very often being insulted, being mocked, being spat on and ultimately being hung on a cross to die. And, and what he's saying is Jesus didn't do that because that was forced upon him. He didn't fight against it. He was obedient to his father, to the mission. He was obedient because he had come not to be served, but to serve. And it wasn't the nails that held Jesus on the cross. It was his love for you and for me that held him there. And it was his obedience to the mission his father had given him that held him there and caused him to say, even as he's dying on the cross, to look down in those incredible words when he prayed to his father and said, forgive them, father, for they don't know what they do. These people that are insulting me, that, that have just hit me, that have not crucified me, God, forgive them. I mean, he could have smote them all. But Jesus came not to be served. He came to serve and to give himself for others. He didn't use any of his, he didn't demand his due. He didn't, 
He didn't use what, his own power and privilege and position to his advantage, which is why at the beginning of his ministry, Satan t- tries to derail him. Right? At the beginning of his ministry, he goes out and, he, and, he, and he's in the wilderness fasting for 40 days and he's tempted by Satan. And what, is, what does Satan say? Okay, I know who you are and you know who you are. Let's cut to the chase. You don't have to be hungry. Everyone else, they can't turn those stones into bread, but you can. So hey, why don't you do that? Why don't you take those stones and turn it into bread so you don't have to be hungry? But Jesus, as Paul said, never used his nature, his, his divine nature, he never used it to his, his own advantage, but he used it to the advantage of others. He used it to your advantage and use it to my advantage through the cross, through his obedience to his Father. He gave himself, he served us, he went to the bottom to lift us up. That's how the kingdom of God is established. And so, uh, Paul prefaces that statement about Jesus with, with these verses. He says to the church, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And in your relationships with one another, have that same mindset as Jesus Christ. Don't, don't live a life trying to gain, trying to secure your position. Live a life giving yourself away to others. Not trying to get to the top, but being at the bottom, lifting others up. What makes you great, Jesus says, Paul says, is not what you gain for yourself, but what you give, your, give away to others. That's what makes you great in the kingdom of God. So what is meekness? Well, let's call meekness this. Meekness is putting others first. If you want to boil it down, it's putting others first. And that takes strength. You know, sometimes when, when we think of weak meekness, we don't, maybe you don't use that word a lot, we, we associate that with weakness, maybe, right? I, there, there was a guy who wrote a book called Cower Power, and this guy, he actually formed an organization called um, Doormats, which stood for Dependent Organization of Really Meek and Timid Souls. And the motto for the association was, the meek shall inherit the earth, if that's okay with everybody. And their symbol was the yellow traffic light. <laughs> Probably go online and join it, pay your dues and join doormats if you want. But when, I, when we hear that word, um, maybe that's how we think of it. Is that what Jesus is talking about? Blessed are the meek. To be meek is not to be weak. It's, it's, it's not to be um, timid. It's not to be passive. It's not to be laid back. It doesn't mean to be nice. It means to lift up others. And that takes strength, doesn't it? I mean, it takes a lot more strength to lift up others than it does to stand on top of others. Uh, the, the, the Greek word translated meek here is the word praos. And actually, back when it was used, it was used of a domesticated animal. So when a wild horse was tamed and became domesticated, it became meek. It wasn't any less strong. Same strength but it was strength that had been brought under control. Now a wild horse, you get on the back of a wild horse, it doesn't, it doesn't like it. It won't, it, you know, it, it's concerned only about itself. It's not tamed, it's not trained. It'll buck you off if it's uncomfortable. That's a wild horse. But a horse that's tamed, that becomes meek, is not a weak horse, it's a strong horse. It's a horse that's, that's able to bear up under discomfort, 
to be disciplined, to bear a load. That requires strength. You know, I, I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me to sing in some of these hymns that I'm, I'm a wretch, you know, how wretched I am, I'm a miserable sinner. And I, and I can tell God, yeah, I'm a miserable sinner, but if you were to come to me and say, Rusty, you're a miserable sinner, I'd want to punch you in the face, right? I mean, I might want to bop you in the nose. Why is that? I can go to God and say, I'm a miserable sinner, but you come and say, you're a miserable sinner. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who do you think you are? We, we have this impulse to defend ourselves, Right? And what Jesus is saying is that the way of the kingdom is not defense, it's deference. Can you think of that? To defer, to, to submit and respect another. Jesus would go on in the, the Sermon on the Mount and say, hey, if someone comes and they slap you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Instead of slapping their cheek, that's meekness. Because you don't want to, because you're seeking the good of the other first. You're not seeking your own defense, your own position your own honor. Jesus says if, if someone comes and makes you carry a load for a mile, because in Roman law they could do that, a Roman citizen could just say to a Jew, you gotta carry this for a mile, that was the law. So if someone makes you do that, carry it a second mile. Why? Because you're not concerned about yourself first. Right? You're to serve others. That's greatness. Where does that strength come from? To be meek, to put others first. To serve instead of desiring to be served. Where does that come from? Well, Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, which is kind of paradoxical when you think of it. Who is it that inherits the earth? Well, it's the Genghis Khans and it's the Alexander the Greats, the people that see opportunities and they're ruthless and they'll step over and on people to get what it is they want. They're the ones that inherit the earth. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So this is totally upside down. He's saying, don't seek to gain, but to give. Those who give, they are the ones that possess. I wonder if Jesus had in mind the story we find in Genesis chapter 13. Don't turn there because we don't have the time to look at it in a detailed way. But in Genesis 13, we have the story of Abram and Lot. Now, you, you might remember Abram was a more aged guy. He was quite distinguished, and he was with his nephew Lot. They were both herders. They had big flocks, and they had grown so big that they couldn't all occupy the same space, so they had to decide to part ways. And we find this story in Genesis chapter 13. Uh, so Abram says to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between us. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, this is really remarkable because Abram is, he should have first pick, okay? He's, he's the old guy. He's the elder. Lot should get seconds. Abram gets firsts. But that's not what he does. He says, listen, you take what it is you want, and then I'll take what's left. And Lot thinks, sweet. So it, it goes on. Lot chose for himself. He looked at the whole, all that was available. Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set it towards the east. The best land. The best land for himself. 
It was the plain. It was the one that was well watered where, where, where grass was abundant. That's what he chose for himself. And Abram was left with that scrubby, arid hill country. So after Lot chooses that for himself and he goes to occupy it, verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around you, Abram, look where you are, to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. Go and walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. Okay, so he, Abram gives it up and then God gives it all to him. I wonder if that's what Jesus has in mind when he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I think what Jesus is saying is, listen guys, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I think that's from Psalms somewhere. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything belongs to God. It's his to give. If you spend your life looking after others, God's gonna look after you. If you spend your life caring and building up others, God's gonna build you up. Because it's all his, and he will give it to who he wants to give it to. Abram gives it away for another, God gives it to him. Jesus would go on to say in, in the Sermon on the Mount, listen, the people of the world, they're running about. The pagans running about, trying to, wondering what are they gonna eat? What are they gonna wear? Accumulating all the stuff, gain, 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 self-interest. And Jesus says, but not so you, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? Do you know how it goes? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. No one wants to be the first one to say anything, right? Because that's when you get it wrong. And all these things are gonna be added to you as well. He's saying the same thing. Hey, when you, when you don't cling and grasp to stuff, just as Jesus didn't grasp to what was his by right, but emptied himself to serve us, so we also shouldn't grasp our, use our power and our position and our privilege and possessions for our own advantage, for our own gain first, but to use it for others to build them up, to serve. And when you do that, God is gonna bless you. He's gonna look after you. I think this is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.10 in describing a Christian, he says, a Christian is one who has, who has nothing and yet possesses everything. Clings to nothing and yet possesses everything because everything's as God and when you trust in God that he will meet all your needs, you know that the whole earth is at our big God's disposal for us little people. You know, I... Um, when I was in Mongolia those years ago, I was driving through the middle of, all of Mongolia's middle of nowhere, okay? You think Canada's sparsely populated? Second least densely populated country in the world is Canada the most? Mongolia, there's like nothing there. So we were just driving in this bus, dirt track, middle of nowhere, all of a sudden I see these ruins, these walls that had been broken down and crumbled and there's grass growing out of them and there were goats and yak eating the grass out of these broken down walls. And I thought, what? In the middle of nowhere. There's, there's no, I, I asked someone on the bus, what is this? And he says, this is Karakoram. This is Genghis Khan's capital. This was the center of the world a thousand years ago where it all happened. And I looked at him and went, huh, you would never know. It all came to Nothing in the end. I mean, there's no parking lot full of buses there, like for, it was just yaks and goat. 
in these ruins. It all came to nothing. I was struck by that. You know, in heaven, that city, in, in the kingdom of God, which is enduring, is eternal, which doesn't end, there's not going to be any statue of Genghis Khan. I don't think we're going to heaven. There's not going to be a statue of Alexander the Great. There probably won't be a statue of Wayne Gretzky, but it's hard to know for sure. Maybe Patrick Laine. There certainly won't be any statue of any Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's for certain. Shame on you for wearing green in this house, the house of the Lord. Shame on you. You know what? People are going to be like, Genghis who? Alexander who? Wayne who? I don't know. I don't even heard of the guy. But I wonder if there's going to be maybe like a statue of Shirley Stewart. I wonder if you're going to hear about Shirley Stewart. Now, Shirley was an older lady in Blind River who passed away uh, shortly before we left Blind River. She never married. Uh, At the end, she was... Uh, she was elderly and living with another single uh, elderly lady in this little house that they rented. She had owned nothing. But she had devoted her whole life just to serve kids, particularly at Bible camp. And she had just poured into kids everything she had, all her time and her energy and resources. She served kids. And when she died, and I did her funeral, pff, I couldn't believe it. Right? All these people, now, now young adults and grown people, came and said, Shirley, yeah, she changed my life. I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for Shirley. One by one, they recounted the impact that she had had on her life because she lived this life of, everything she had, she just gave away. She served. And so my guess is when you get to heaven, there might be, there ain't gonna be one of Genghis Khan, there might be one of Shirley Stewart and people like her. Certainly people will, will know that name because in the kingdom of heaven, what makes you great is not what you gain for yourself. What makes you great is what you give away to others. It's not getting to the top. It's lifting others up. That's what makes you great. I mean, what do you have? What has God put in your hands? Maybe it's a business. Some of you have businesses. It's, it's skills, abilities, experiences, resources. I mean, God has given us things. So our, our question is, Are you pursuing true greatness? Are you living the way of the kingdom? The way of giving? The way of serving? What would it look like for you to turn from the way of the world? Hey, there's a world in all of us. What would it look like to turn away from the way of the world, the way of gaining, the way of self-interest, and turn to the way of the kingdom, the way of giving, the way of meekness, putting others first, serving and building up others. Jesus says, that's greatness. What would that look like for you? And and that's a question I just want you to ponder and pray over right now. You can just bow your heads, and let's just take a moment, each of us just to come before God, and, and maybe before we ask him what that looks like in our life, maybe you can just take a moment and say, thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you were meek. Thank you that you emptied yourself. You didn't grasp what was yours, but you came down and you took the form of a servant and you went to the cross for me, to serve me, so that I could have life. Just take a moment and thank him for that.
Now just take a moment and, and ask God, God, what, what would it look like for me um, to live the way of true greatness? What would it look like for me to serve others, to put others first? Not to pursue gain, but to pursue give. Lord, show me what that would look like in my life, in my school, in my workplace, in my home, in my neighborhood. question with you into this week. Father God, we, we love you because you sent your son not to condemn us, but to save us and to serve us. And that's made all the difference in our lives. We're here because of Jesus. We're here because he emptied himself. He didn't cling. He didn't grasp. He used what he had to our advantage, and we're so thankful he did, Father. We're so thankful. Lord, we want to live that way as followers of Jesus, as Christians. We want to pursue true greatness. God, just show us as we go from here, as we go into our week, uh, to those places that, that, that we are, our, 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 our jobs and our schools and our homes and our neighborhoods, Lord, just show us what it would look like for us to follow the way of the kingdom, the way of serving, the way of lifting others up. Lord, because we believe in that, there is great blessing and there is great reward. Make us those kind of people. Make us meek. In Jesus' name, amen.